And what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Thomas Grant's erotica. Of course. Thomas Grant's erotica. Expect goals. Thomas Grant's erotica. Dog model. Thomas Grant's erotica. Eight o'clock on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning. It's brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Thomas Drance is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintec.net. So after an hour of radio in which we were litigating who deserves to get airtime, should you take callers, who's acceptable on the air, what's a good guest, what's a bad guest, <laughs> it's nice that we can finally have on somebody that everybody agrees on, universally loved, universally loved, Definitely not everyone unhinged. agrees with them all the time. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Drancer. How are you? Oh, boy. <laughs> Universally highly regarded and has sexy segment intro music. It's our guest, Thomas Drance. And, the, and the one thing I love about Drance is, like, he never lectures. That's right. You know, like, that's just, <laughs> he doesn't lecture, you know? He's just like a man of the people. I'm very tolerant of other people's bad takes, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what everyone says about me. Transfer, let's talk about that Nashville game because um, you, like me, watched that game and you're like, this is different. This isn't just a win. This is a team that's actually dictating play at five on five. One of the things we talked about a lot in the wake of that game was why Nils Hoaglander was able to score that goal. And one of the big mm -hmm. reasons was is because the Canucks dominated in Nashville's end for so long that the Preds ultimately had to ice the puck. Uh, Roman Yossi had been out there for about half an hour, I think. And, you know, <laughs> Yossi, if you watch how he played Hoaglander, like he barely touched him. And Hoaglander was able to go to the slot and tip home the point shot. That was a very tired team. Uh, Nashville and the Canucks were able to take advantage and that's what happens when you can dominate play at five on five I guess the question going forward is is this a one-off or can the Canucks keep doing this yeah well and that's the that's the million dollar question because it's not you know as much as I've been critical for example over the past few years uh, about this team's play like I have covered games I've been on the road and I have had this same experience where I'm watching it thinking, wow, this looks way different from what we've seen before. You know, I think about that game right after the trade deadline. The Canucks had, like, just sold Hamannick. They'd added it. It was Travis Dermott's first game with the Canucks in Colorado, and they just, like, absolutely dominated the Avs territorially. Right. And that I was, was a just, total one-off. <laughs> right. And I'm just sitting in the press box just being like, what's going on? Right. And that was the Boudreaux bump team, too, where everyone was throwing a party that I was – uh, at the, like I was at the side of the room, like, 
uh, that meme. You know what I mean? Like, no one even knows that I know this team isn't good, you know? Um, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, well, if this is what it begins to look like, you're going to have a believer in me. And and not that I haven't thought the Canucks play have played well. Like, I've, I've liked what I've seen. I think this team's improved in some key areas. Um, I think they've addressed some of their fatal flaws, right? Which, more than anything... Uh, is good because I'm no longer watching these games with like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. They can't move the puck. Oh yeah, but it doesn't matter. They can't kill a penalty. Um, but I'm not at the point of getting as excited as I think some in this market are in part because of the fact that almost every game I watched on that road trip had like a prolonged period or period and a half where the other team just took it to them, right? Mm-hmm. Where where the shot counter was like 17-2, 14-3. And it felt worse than that in the building. And all of a sudden you get that game and the Canucks look great, like capital G great. And yeah, I mean, it's so early in the year that you sort of think like, okay, like if this becomes, if they're, if this is something they're building toward, if this is something they can sustain and you're never going to be able to sustain something like that every game. But like, let, let me, let me put sort of a specific number on it. If we can see a performance that looks more like that, something like 13 or 14 of their next 24, Right. And then we get to the 30 game mark. And this is a team that half the time looks like that. And the other half is sort of holding the fort and looks a little more normal. Um, You know, you you have a team that's going to contend for like second or third in the Pacific. Like you have a team that I think can look higher than just being a wild card team. But but that's sort of what it's going to take to add that kind of like five on five heft that you need to be more than like an interesting fringe playoff team, which is still where I think this team is is going to end up profiling. Tell us more about what you've seen from the Canucks breakout and their ability to move the puck. How much is that (laughs) Hughes and Hronik or the other guys helping out as well? Well, I think a lot of it's Cole, surprisingly. Like, you know, you think about puck moving and you think about like faster skaters, right? More dynamic kind of guys you think in your mind's eye you think about like a Brandon Montour type like marauding up the ice but but sometimes it's like you like you know who was a good breakout passer was Jordy Ben right like Jordy Ben wasn't fast he was kind of a plotter but he was patient Cole has some of those attributes too um and then I I think a lot of it is the forwards too like I think a lot of it is the the way that this team is connected I mean I don't think you could tell me about like a dynamic moment where Peronix like charged up the ice, for example, mm-hmm. right now he's been, he's been effective moving the puck for the most part, but you know, I, I don't think it's like that the defense is materially faster. I, I don't know that it's even personnel based because I, I would point to, you know, I mean, I, I know Myers has played poorly and seen his role reduced, but the errors have been coverage errors, right? It's not like you've, I, 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 there's been a couple, I guess, clearing attempts that come back in the zone, but guess what? That happens to every NHL defenseman. Um, you know, uh, even with Myers on the ice or Friedman on the ice or Juleson on the ice, I, I think we've seen this team just spend far less time having their attack completely cut off uh, at, in their own end of the rink. That said, I still don't think we've seen a lot of like Elias Pettersson, you know, skating like buckshot picks up pass perfectly on the tape in the neutral zone and right. <laughs> has a step on a defender. Like yeah. I still don't think we're at the point where the Canucks are, uh, you know, like we're, we're not confusing them with the Colorado. Avalanche. They're still at breakouts. One Oh one level. 
but but they're but they're not getting stuck. Yes, and man, that's a huge improvement yeah. because this team they're passing they're pa- they're passing breakout one hundred and one, but they're not quite ready for breakout the AP course. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's fun. again. I, I don't you know when I think we're I think we're at a point too where people are just hopeful that this team is like good and interesting and fun, mm-hmm. right? That this team like there's a real level of excitement that I'm sensing anyway from my readers that this team hasn't just like come out, come out of the gate and immediately slipped on a banana peel and been like, Oh no. Right. Like that's like, everyone's just excited about that. And so, you know, one, one of the reasons why I think they're, you know, they're winning 66% of their games to this point um, (laughs) is, uh, is yeah, that, that breakout is no longer killing them the way it has each of the last three seasons. And honestly, at parts two, during that last relatively successful 2019-20 campaign. Hey, Drancer, is there a contractual risk in pairing Heronic with Hughes in that Heronic is going to put up, like, some pretty impressive numbers playing with Quinn Hughes, especially from an ice time perspective, and then all of a sudden yep. the Canucks are going to have to go into negotiations with Heronic, and he's going to be like, look at these numbers. You should pay me a yeah. lot of money. Well, of course, and and especially because he has got arbitration, right? Like if they're, they're part of the leverage that the Heronic camp will have here is, you know, um, paint by numbers, arbitration case strengthening, right? So that, that ice time isn't differentiated. Um, it's going to be hard to go into an arb- arbitration hearing should it get there. And it won't because no one goes to arbitration, especially with a the player they pay right. a person a second for, but like, you know, that nonetheless, the logic of the arbitration hearing sort of grounds how the negotiations go because you can't make an argument to, you know, his agent, Alan Walsh, for example, um, that, you know, that he can just be like, well, an arbitrator is not going to agree with that. So what, what are we even talking about? Right. Um, the, but, but you can't like go into that hearing and be like, yeah, but Heronic's not driving that pair. You know, like, well, what do you mean? He's not driving that pair. That mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Right. Like that's, that's an argument that becomes difficult to make. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a contractual risk. Um, what have you thought, Jason? Like, what have you thought about his performance? Uh, I think it's, for me, it's just been, you know, overall good, obviously, overall good. But I, I would like to see the pair split up because if the Canucks are going to commit to Hronik, I want to know that he can be the best player on a top four pairing. That's yeah. basically it, right? Like, I just want to see it for myself. Um, we've seen Quinn Hughes. I'm not saying that, that Hronik is at the level of, a Noah Juleson or Luke Shen, but we've seen Quinn Hughes carry these types of players, right? So yeah. how much of it is him? Because I think it's very important because this is yeah. a guy that, you know, is going to have quite a hammer to wield in contract negotiations, and I want the Canucks to be sure about the quality of the player before they commit to him. Yeah, so, I, I, and I ask because, uh, you know, at times watching this team play on the road, um, I felt like my impression of what I was watching was completely distinct from the adulation that I saw on Twitter, right? The, the, the anointing from some of my peers and from Canucks fans too, of like the Canucks have one of the best, the best pairings in hockey. And, you know, this is really elevating Quinn and um, I'm not seeing that. Like, I'm, I'm just not, I'm seeing a pretty good player. I mean, I, I'm, this isn't to take a shot, at Heronic by any means, but you know what, you know, that pair to me reminds me a lot of some of what we saw with bear Hughes last season, like mm-hmm. 
seeing Hughes play with a more mobile partner, which is something we saw over about 363 minutes last year. Um, it's good. I like that a lot. And and it worked last year too, right? Like that pair outscored their opponents by eight, uh, 56% shot attempt differential on and on. A lot of the same things that we're seeing from Verona Hughes, um, you know, the mobility is helpful, but I, I don't know. I, I, there's uh, there's some puck handling things, some, some decision-making things with the puck that have left me a bit cool. Uh, you know, I, I think Hironix basically looked like a solid second pair guy playing with a guy who elevates everybody he ever plays with. And yeah. so I, I sort of just haven't been at the point where I look at what Hironix brought to, brought to this team so far and think he's been additive. But I know that's a minority opinion based on how this club has performed and how that pair has performed through the first five games. I'm curious to see if opinion begins to shift a little bit now that more people are going to have an opportunity to see them play live. Because uh, that's another thing I'm always conscious of. I, I always find that my opinion of defensive play is a little different from the from the television viewing audience when uh, I'm watching in building. Yeah, I need more games of Hronik. And people yeah, might say, why do you need more games? I I need to get to a point where I like can subconsciously watch does that make sense? And I like, yes, like absolutely. I know, I know exactly what to expect. Like I was talking about this the other day, um, and I think one of the things that Talkit has talked about is being able to squash some more plays in the corner to break up yes. these extended zone times that teams are having on the Vancouver mm-hmm. Canucks. Well, not Nashville as much, but you know there still were a few. And like when Alex Edler was in his prime, and the puck went into the corner, and there was a one-on-one puck battle, my yes, brain knew not to worry. My yeah. brain knew that he was going to go in there and he was going to take care of business. He was either going to use a smart stick or more often than not some good physical play. And he was able to get, come out and get the puck. Now people criticize Edler sometimes for decision-making and fair enough. If you want to have that, sometimes he had especially, those. Especially earlier in his career. Yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of defensemen have that, but what yeah. I knew when he go into that corner, he was going to win that battle more often than not. I just don't have that read on Hronik yet, which is why, listen, I'm not telling the coaching staff to break up the pair, but I'd just like to see it. I'd like to see an extended run of Hronik and Ian Cole together because the Canucks to me still have this glaring hole on the right side of their defense, and we were discussing earlier in the show, how are they going to fill it? Is it going to be Ethan Bear? Are they going to spend some more draft capital and go out and do another Hironic-like trade? Or do they wait for a guy like Tom Willander or Hunter Bruskevich to develop and, yeah. and, and contribute, I mean, right? I don't see that, that last option away. because it's years away. And I think right yeah. now, the way the Canucks have committed to this current group, and especially if they re-sign Pedersen, they got to go out and do something significant on that right side. Yeah, and and that's expensive, and this isn't a team that necessarily has a lot, you know, of um, of credit to spend, right? And not a lot of assets to spend to to keep doing that um, without harming yourself elsewhere, right? Plus, there's the fact that Hironik's going to get a raise, uh, especially playing, you know, well uh, to this point. So, no, it's um, it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky one to untangle. You know, they've done a lot of work in terms of adding bodies, players. Uh, I mean, they've spent a lot to do it, too, to upgrade the defense core. And, you know, we're we're still in a world where when they play tomorrow, when they return home and face the Blues, I think we're all expecting Mark Friedman to be in their top four, right? And, and, and if the trend from Nashville holds, like really playing top four minutes, which, you know, good for him, he did well. Um, but I think over a 15, 20-game stretch, the seams 
may well begin to show there. Uh, Drancer, we're going to cut this a bit short, but hang on the line because we do have some Sportsnet 650 breaking news. Sportsnet 650 breaking news. According to multiple NHL insiders, Shane Pinto, he of the not-in-contract Ottawa Senators, is going to be suspended for a lengthy period of time by the National Hockey League. And according to Pierre Lebrun, he is told via sources that the suspension for Pinto is for activities related to sport wagering. So I was was wondering when this would come around to the NHL because suspensions for players and sports wagering have been prevalent and prominent over the last 12 to 16 months. I think the most noteworthy one was Calvin Ridley, who at the time was a member of the Atlanta Falcons, now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we saw it in high-level Premier League football. Sandro Tonali, formerly of AC Milan and the Italian national team, suspended for 10 months, now a member of your beloved Newcastle United. So it has really been... Um, an issue with all professional mm-hmm. sports leagues, and I did wonder when this was eventually going to come to the NHL. Bruce Garriak, who covers the Ottawa Senators, um, tweets out, I am told that the Sens have rescinded all previous offers, and Pinto may have to sign his qualifying offer to officially begin serving the suspension. Wow, yeah, so that so really the, is the, that adds an element to well, all this. Well, so the timeline and all this... Is going to be interesting to me. Yeah. You know, when did these allegations, like how long have the senators known about this? Is this related to his contract impasse or is this something entirely new that has first started? What do you think about this? Uh, Bruce, Bruce Garriock is reporting that the Sens have rescinded yeah. all previous no, I just, offers. I just said that. Yeah, yeah. but so that, that would lead me to believe that they did not know if they had these offers on the table. Yeah, right. Fair Dr- enough. Drancer, what do you think? I mean, I think the substance of it, for me anyway, like what matters is did he wager on hockey and did he wager on his own team, right? Like that, that changes things. Do, do we know the length of the suspension yet? Nothing's been set yet. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where it gets interesting to me. You saw the NFL change things up. Like Jamison Williams is the uh, Detroit Lions wide receiver. Did you see actually Jamison Williams went to a hockey game? He went to the yes, Detroit Red Wings game and I then was asked. That. And then he was asked what he thought about it, and he noted that he liked how at the end of the game there were free goals for, for, for the team that was leading when the goalie got pulled. I thought that was a, that was a cute observation. Anyway, Jameson Williams had a six-game suspension that ended up getting knocked down to a four-game suspension when the league changed their policies. The NFL had really had this policy where if you gambled on sports at all in the facility, so on team grounds... Um, that was grounds for like a pretty lengthy six six game suspension, mm-hmm. and the league sort of changed their emphasis. Where all of a sudden, gambling on other sports that like that weren't football, that weren't NFL football, uh, were treated sort of differently with kid gloves. Not a problem. Players can wager. We have gambling partners. We have lengthy protocols to report player injuries for a reason. Right? We're leaning into this. We can't punish our players for for gambling on sports mm-hmm. that they're not competing in. But uh, concurrent with that change in emphasis, the punishment for gambling on football became far stiffer, far stiffer. Um, and obviously the, the, the ban for match fixing in the NFL, I think, is lifetime. So they really came down hard on, uh, on that. I, I think we, we haven't seen this in hockey, so uh, and, and I don't know that the NHL has like a, an official 
published protocol, which, by the way, is very NHL, right? So like according to Chris league. Johnston, Exhibit 14.2 of the NHL's collective bargaining agreement states, gambling, yeah. gambling on any NHL game is prohibited. Um, but Siege, uh, Chris Johnston adds in his athletic article, the league's constitution allows gambling on other sports. Right. Uh, Frank Saravelli is reporting that he believes the Sens got wind of an NHL investigation on Pinto in the last couple weeks, which helps explain why mm. he remains unsigned at the moment. Yeah, it was weird. It was, it was kind of like we, we weren't talking about much on, on our show, but in the back of my mind, I was like, why hasn't this been solved yet? Like, this doesn't right. seem like a massively difficult situation, but I guess there are some complicating factors. Uh, I will just add on, Drancer, sorry not to cut you off, but according to Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, the suspension to Ottawa Senator Shane Pinto will be 41 games. Right, so that's hefty. (laughs) Yeah. That's a significant, especially because he's now not going to be able to sign a real contract and is going to, you know, I I mean, the total cost to him of this is what if he was going to sign for two million and now it's a qualifying offer and he forfeits half of it immediately? Yeah. Um, I mean that's a million and a half right there. So that's a massive, massive hit. Um, clearly, from what CJ's alluding to, it's it's hockey related. And and one thing I'd just add is just like how the NHL doesn't have a published like DVSV policy, mm-hmm. right? Like punishments for yeah. players in other leagues are, you know, they're written down, they're codified. You can publicly go through the MLB's DVSV policy. Yep. Uh, the NHL doesn't have it. Um, when they suspended Jake Bertanen without pay, for example, it was like in line with how the other leagues would act, but there's no published way. Uh, there's no set way that's public uh, of how the league handles that. Um, this is this is similar and uh, and is sort of one thing where you know given given the need for transparency, given the need for confidence, especially in a world where teams are only re- required to say upper and lower body and can you know just have a player not appear at warmups thirty minutes before and uh, don't have to disclose their starter officially or, or anything like that. Like having confidence in the product from a gambling perspective matters a ton. Matters a ton. In, in a contemporary uh, sports business environment. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the NHL handles this and if it spurs any changes in terms of uh, what the league puts down on paper in terms of how they want to handle it. Uh, if, if carrying with tradition, I'm sure they'll put nothing down on paper. and um, <laughs> Write we'll it down on a really cocktail napkin and put it in a made. safe somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there, a little more reporting on this from Elliot Friedman on sportsnet.ca. Uh, Friedman writes the exact, Zach timeline is unclear at this point, but it's believed the investigation, which began sometime during the summer, intensified over the past few weeks. All negotiations to sign him were paused as the NHL conducted a recent hearing into the matter. The next question, Fridge continues, is how the senators will handle the situation. It's believed that one reason Pinto has not asked for a trade is that he appreciates the organization's secrecy about the investigation. Hmm. So an interesting wow, there's a lot interesting of scenario this. for uh, new owner Michael Andlauer to walk into. Like, what's going on here? Anything? Uh, anything interesting? Oh my God! What's been I mean, going on here in Ottawa? I mean the 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 so. The idea of a player appreciating the secrecy from an organization on the on the contents of an investigation, though, again, if you're if you're an odds maker, or if you're mm-hmm. a better, right, that 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 that's going to get your antenna up, 
right? Yep. And and look, and look, at the end of the day, you you can roll your eyes Arthur Smith style at fantasy sports, right? You can talk about how annoying gambling ads are or what have you, but the, the, like these are very very compelling ways in for casual fans to begin to watch hockey, you know? Yeah. And 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 their nodes um their nodes of encouraging viewership that I mean, I think a contemporary sports league needs to be very conscientious about fostering. Um, so transparency on this one, especially now that it's public, uh, I, I think is going to be vital, like vital for the league. I think another big part of this now is you're going to have to look at degrees of wagering. Like, is it the same thing wagering on your league, your team, games you participated in because i think all those degrees matter and where did you place the wager right because so i was i was mentioning sandro tonali who plays for newcastle now but he's been under investigation for a long time for wagering on matches while he was a member of ac milan now he said that he did wager on some milan matches matches sorry while he was a member of the club but never any of the games that he suited up for. Some people will say that's just splitting airs. That doesn't make a difference. Other people will say that makes a huge difference. But the reality of it is, and I think this is the important thing, is we now have to make these distinctions because it is clear that this is going to happen again and again yeah. and again and again and in a bunch of well, different leagues. And I think it, a lot of it comes from a lot of even different... Even though all the players like, don't gamble on your sport or any sport, really. Just make it simple. Yep. Don't gamble. Uh, just keep it I mean, safe. I mean... I, the, for me, it's black and white that you shouldn't be gambling on your own sport, period. And, sure. and it's re- like, I don't gamble on hockey at all. I never have. I haven't placed a single wager ever on the sport of hockey. And the reason for it is, like, if I see a guy get hit by a puck at a morning skate in Florida, and I'm the only guy paying attention to it, and he walks off, what am I going to do right away? I'm going to tweet it, right? And when I tweet it, like when I tweeted that DeSmith was first off the ice in Florida, the line moved, the money line moved, right? Now, if I was to ever gamble on hockey, right, what's my incentive? My incentive is to place the bet and then report the news. Yeah. And that's insider trading, right? Like I don't want to be thinking about that when I'm doing my job. I just want to be serving my audience, whether it's a gambling audience or Canucks fans, and Canucks fans are obviously who I have primarily in mind. I want to be serving them with a clear head and getting the best, most accurate information out that I can as quickly as I can. Can you get it to me uh, first, though? In doing my job. Yeah, in doing my job. And But but that's me. That's me. Like, yeah. what does Tenali know about who's available in a lineup? Like, more than I do. More than I do when I'm covering the Canucks. Sure. So, um, to me, that's where the ethical questions arise. And and for the sake of simplicity, and also because my contract forbids it, um, but but my, my personal rule of not gambling on hockey precedes my contract forbidding it. Um, I've just always kept it clean. I don't bet on hockey. But, man, do I have a sick Dalton Kincaid, Stefan Diggs, yeah. Rashad White reception. Yeah, your, your personal rule about dragging on and on about your NFL bets is also in place <laughs> and must be part of your contract because you really adhere to it. Drancer, really always fun. Love a sweat. Always Here's interesting. Quick. Talk to you later, buddy. Thomas Drance from The Athletic and Sportsnet 650. Okay, get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We're running a little bit late here, so 650, 650. Do we have any giveaways today? Any giveaways? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? We're so giving no. Away, giving away tickets to uh, the Tuesday Halloween game oh. against the Predators. We're giving them away tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow is a giveaway, so no uh, ticket giveaway today. But still, send in your what we learns into the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 
Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.34 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. What a show it's been. We had breaking news of Shane Pinto's suspension for betting. We insulted our listeners, specifically those that want callers. Heavy-duty machinery operators caught some loose strays. Sorry. It's been a packed show. Download the podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Hours one, hours two, already in the books. Hour three, it'll be available soon. Apologies to you that are stuck in traffic right now having to listen to all this. So what's going on? The Massey Tunnel's a disaster. Yeah, if you're going northbound, don't go near the tunnel from what we're seeing here. I've, I was eyewitness before saying three separate accidents possibly. Yeah, that was a- the 1130 uh, City News traffic report just saying multiple accidents. But yeah, northbound through the tunnel. Not happening. As much as I don't want to take anything positive from a largely negative experience, we do have a captive audience right now. All these people are trapped. And if their radio is broken, they're stuck listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. By the way, hour three of the Halford and Bruff Show is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, I learned that the Canadian men's soccer team continues to fall down the FIFA rankings. Not great, Bob. Uh, They're now at number 45 in the world. They reached as high as 33. Yeah. Uh, right before the the World I Cup. I know they did. Uh, now, granted, it's not as bad as it was about a decade ago when they fell all the way to 122nd in the world. Those were tough times. And they're like, there's only 20 more countries in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we we, we don't have an infinite number of countries here. The non-FIFA countries were pushing to <laughs> catch Canada. <laughs> I know we don't belong to the organization, but we feel like we got a chance. Uh, Canada has a couple of games coming up in uh, November against Jamaica. Yeah, those are big. As part of the CONCACAF Nations League, and this is all part of trying to qualify for the Copa America. So those games are going to be real interesting because Jamaica has been one of those teams that's really benefited from the sort of reconstituted FIFA rules about nationality and when you get capped and who you can play for. Right. They've been able to pick up a lot of Premier League players who have Jamaican heritage that Mm -hmm. were trying to get into the England mix but ultimately fell short. And now, I mean, they've got... Mikhail Antonio from Aston Villa and Damari Gray from West Ham and Bobby Deckard over Reed from Fulham. Like, they've got a lot of... Because their program has kind of fallen on hard times. Really hard times. Uh, Vancouver Whitecap, Javane Brown's in the mix there. But anyway, the point being, uh, it's going to be a real tall test for Canada, especially as they continue to tumble down the FIFA I want them to qualify for that Copa America so badly. Like, that's... The opportunity, this right? That's what they need. This is a big match. Who, who's their manager right now? Uh, Mauro Abiello. 
Is he temporary? Or? He is an interim gaffer. When are they going to figure? They 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 should hire one because the World Cup's here. I don't know if you heard that, but they're going to be three in years it. away, bro. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, yeah. give us a mook out on that. Uh, I learned that there were a lot of overreactions from not the opening night of the NBA schedule. That was Tuesday night, but Wednesday night, a bunch of teams had their respective opening nights, and uh, it got a little weird in a couple places. Did you guys all see, Ben? I know you saw it. The celebrations that the Raptors had after their 97-94 victory yeah. over the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was like, is this the Blue Jays clinching a wild card spot? Kind of felt like it. They didn't have goggles on, <laughs> but it was close. They gave uh, crazy. They gave new head coach Darko Ryakovic the ice and water shower celebration. Which is fine. First, first win. Sure. First time as a head coach in the NBA. First win, new club. I get all that. But it felt a little much. I think it was a lot it, like afterwards, though. Like what came out, what transpired. I was talking to Greg kind of before the show about this. Just like it was like everyone's kind of propping him up. Being like, this guy's the best. Right. Every player wants to play for him. He's mm-hmm. such a player's coach. And the he has so much respect around the league. I'm like, all right, let's, let's chill for a second. Because like, you know who's coming to Toronto on Saturday? Nick Nurse and the Philadelphia 76ers. That's why they're pumping. Yeah. Pumping mm. old Darko's tires. Nick Nurse a... has to get a warm reception, though, from the crowd. Yeah, I would imagine so. At least people should be feeling sorry for him for what he has to do with in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> yeah, you picked a bad job, Nick. That's a horrible situation. That did you, you did you mention this, but did the Bulls have like a players-only Well, meeting? that was the other one I was going to do. So That's, a, that's <laughs> early in the season. That's very Canucks-like. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes- my God. Yesterday, which I will remind you, was game one of 82. <laughs> the Chicago Bulls kept head coach Billy Donovan out of the room following their 124-104 to loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know why? Because the Bulls had a closed door players only meeting. How badly did they lose this game? 124-104 to to Shea okay. Gilgis Alexander and the OKC Thunder. I don't want to say this is a bit of a overreaction. This is a massive overreaction. What happens <laughs> if you lose five games in a row? That's when you have to lock the guy out of the room, not yeah. after one loss. You got to keep your powder dry, man. I don't know what they're doing here. Zach Levine, Billy said, Donovan's like, oh my god, they're going to fire the coach in see, game so two. Billy Donovan liked it. He's like, hey, if that's how they feel after one loss, that's great. Right. What Billy Donovan didn't know is that that meeting was probably about whether or not they were going to play for him or not. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, look, do we want to try for this guy or do we just want to tank it? Because in a month if we tank it. <laughs> Zach Levine said, guys want to win. You put up a game like this in game one, you're going to have some conversations. He didn't say what the conversations were. I don't know how this is going to turn out for Billy Donovan, but it merits mentioning. Anyway, what I learned, NBA teams grossly overreacting to game one. Moo cow me. Okay, to the humanoids. You guys aren't doing one, right? No. Okay, to the humanoids we go. Fire up that dot matrix. Uh, what we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Jason, go. Uh, Scott, with the what we learned, there's some good irony in Shane Pinto being suspended half a season for violating league gambling rules while the Senators have Bet99 logos on their helmets. Are they Bet99 people? I thought they were a different company. But regardless, uh, regardless I get the Yeah, I mean, the, the, there will be some people, and it's an obvious one, like we all know that we're inundated 
with gambling ads and like some of the worst gambling ads too. What about that gambling ad where the guy goes down and he talks to Americans and he's like, you Americans don't know anything about hockey. So bet with like this Canadian gambling company. I was like, that's that's so obnoxious. I'm specifically not going to bet with you. And there are many choices of where you can place your wagers. So there are just so many bad gambling ads and you know, it's, we're inundated with it. Can I just so people are going to be like, wait a minute, like you're suspending these guys for gambling, and yet you're making all this money off of gambling. But you, <laughs> I know it's easy to conflate the two, right? But the players just have to be smarter about this. Okay, like, like you just have to be smarter about it. I just, just I just want to jump don't in here. Do it. There's some. There's a correlation between all these things. Um, bad sports wagering ads sort of really unnuanced boring content or a forced content that doesn't really hit home with anyone players getting suspended all of this has to do with an unfamiliar world wagering on sports going into the mainstream and then everyone trying to figure it out I think there's a lot of players. I don't know if Shane Pinto is one of them or not, but there are some players that are going to be suspended due to their naivete not even realizing that this is um, illegal or um, against the rules or as punitive, I think. Because a lot of them are going to say, well, wait a minute. We have betting sponsors on our jerseys. Yeah. Uh, there's commercials that our leagues are affiliated but with. But surely they've been told. Sure, sure. And that's, that's the question for the Ottawa Senators going forward now. It's like, what protocols did you have in place to make sure that this didn't happen? Exactly. I think, and that's a big part because look, I'm not saying that we're like old heads at this, but we worked at Bodog at the turn of the century, like turn of the century, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So we've been around it for a long time. I think we, all I'll say is this, like we're not good at it. No one's good at it. You know who's good at sports gambling? Sports books. That's the one, they're the ones that make all the money, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, you become familiar with the way that it works, the way that it operates. And then when it became mainstream, I remember thinking like, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be introduced to this and introduced to it in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And I do remember. And I think the pandemic contributed to that. Absolutely. Because and- they were money all of a sudden in their bank accounts, whether it was sure. f- from the government or, or however they were getting into um, playing stocks like it was gambling. You know, we all know like the, the GameStop story. But I think also like during the pandemic, there were times when all we had to watch was like sports. We're watching these sure. playoffs from the bubble. And at the same time, gambling is prevalent and people are bored. They got nothing else to do. And they're, they're getting in, they're getting into gambling. Uh, Liam in Calgary with an early ask. Is anything basketball, Ben, I'm going to loop you in on this one. He wants to know, do you guys think Nikola Jokic is good or bad for the NBA? Hold on. He's about to explain. He might be the least marketable player in the league and literally treats the NBA like a nine to five job. <laughs> I personally find it hilarious, but I could also see it as a negative for the league. I've got a thought on this. Do you want to take the first stab or you want me to go? You can go. I don't think the NBA cares. The NBA does not have a marketing problem in the slightest. If its best player at the time happened to be happens to be a guy that's more interested in his horses than the NBA, they're going to be fine. Have you noticed the hype train around Victor Wembanyama? They don't need their MVP to be a marketable presence. But Jokic, I, Jokic cares, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't. They, he's just talking about the marketing. But I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I think it's a real turnoff when a player 
notes that like he doesn't care. And the, the example that I would come up with like is Brooks Kepka when he was like, I'd rather be a baseball player. Well, then go be a baseball player, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of like a too cool for school That's attitude. That's definitely not Jokic. That's not Jokic. That's though, not Jokic. Right? Like I'm too cool to care about my sport, right? And, I hate that attitude, but I don't think Jokic has that. No, I, mean, I don't think really he's like Kepka in that perspective. And, right. my, and it, like my, what we learned if I was going to do and I had to do one was like, I think it's kind of crazy that Jokic and Doncic are kind of like maybe the two best players in the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just don't fit the usual category of what you would imagine. <laughs> oh, like they're right. like, but even my mom last night was like, he, oh, Doncic looks kind of like pudgy a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, but yep. he's unbelievable. And mm-hmm. Jokic goes at his own pace. He plays basketball in a way that as a basketball fanatic, I can appreciate because he controls the tempo. Yep. And I think what Jason said is totally correctly. He really cares. Yeah. Like he wants to win. He's competitive. He's fiery. And we and the saw proof is that he, he, he pushed Morris in the back. Won. Jokic, right? And, yeah. yeah. And he's won. Like he's, yeah. he's fiery. He, he knows that every time he wins, it's more money to put toward horses. Of course. Right. That's, like, <laughs> think of all the horses. That's his end game. First you get the horses. Jamal Murray's like, how many do you have? He's like, eight, nine, ten? Many, and then, and then he quietly looked down. He's like, I have 12. <laughs> like, we, everyone knew you had a dozen horses. Can we talk about the other viral clip of uh, women, Yana, walking into the building? Yes. <laughs> What so, happened? I haven't seen this. He is just—he's very tall, he's and tall. I don't know how he finds clothes. Right. Like honestly, the pants that he was wearing—it was like a man on stilts. Mm-hmm. Where does he? Find, he's pretty stylish too. Where does he find stylish clothes? I when bet you're, they're made for him. You know, yeah, you but he's like, got some money. He's European. You think if you have to go get clothes made for you, be kind of hit and miss, right? You get kind of—you get some crappy stuff. <laughs> he has you get to some, go to the old George, he's, the he's old George good. Richards, big and tall, yeah. and get the four X <laughs> off the rack. Because you think he's doing that? But I don't think the NBA has a marketing problem whatsoever with their stars. No. Can we all agree that the big and tall is just—it should just be called big? Um, no, is not big. There's not a lot of options in there for just the tall. It is George Richards, right? I got that name right. That's the old school, like next to. The San Francisco in the mall, George Richards, big and tall. But you're right. Yeah, it's for the huskier gentleman, not the lankier gentleman. Right. Yeah. I mean, tall and like, it's, it's not it, for you, bro. They they sell a lot of let's say circus tents in there. What I didn't know it what? got up to eight X. I think I they can customize. I didn't the know key. the X has got. There's an eight X. That's the that, thing. They can customize. Eight, for the the larger gentleman. Okay, I right. do want to read uh, a couple of texts about Donnie, Austin, and Langley. What we learned. Glad to see Canucks Twitter join all. Uh, to gr- congratulate Donnie on getting into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Guess no one thought he was a Ring of Honor guy. <laughs> Adam, the former bath guy, what we learned, I learned that Vancouver sports broadcasting legend Don Taylor has been inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Donnie. Yes, congrats to Donnie. Yeah, man. And it's pretty great. You it's know, pretty great. One of my surreal moments in sports media was like meeting guys like Donnie and actually having a conversation on the same level about the work we do. It was like when I was sitting next to Jim Robson in the, in the, in, in the, uh, press box and I'm like, am I having a conversation with Jim Robson right now? This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Uh, now as you get to know Donnie, it's kind of like, hey Donnie, what's up? But no, it's I'm just now. kidding. No, it is it's 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 awesome. Like he the thing with Donnie is he he gets he gets and this is so important. This is so important in this age of sports knowing. Like and yeah. people think like I know a lot of sports, so gonna I'm gonna be good at this job. You gotta have fun. Like it's it's got to be ninety nine percent fun with like one percent of like hey that was actually a pretty good point that he made. 
right? Because we're all watching this sure. together, mm-hmm. right? We all know about sports. Um, we all make fun, crazy predictions, and like some of them come true in a miracle, and then most of them don't. But the whole idea of talking sport, the whole idea we watch sports is not to like know stuff. Yeah. It's to have fun and have some laughs and to entertain ourselves. And, you know, for Donnie, like that's what I took from him. And I hope that's what like because that's what that's what the successful people in this business are are going to like if they understand that, yeah, you got to do your homework. You kind of kind of kind of got to know what you're talking about. But if you don't have fun, you're not going to be successful. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned meeting Donnie. I always have that anecdote. I, we were at the Winter Classic in D.C., and John Feinstein was there. I guess he was working. I don't know who he was working for. I mean, D.C. guy, and this was a big event for Washington, relatively big. And uh, I'm a huge fan of his work. Like, Season on the Brink is amazing. Uh, all the golfers know Good Walk Spoiled. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the seminal golf. Book. I, my, probably my favorite author. And I was like, oh, my God, it's John Feinstein. And then he proceeded <laughs> to destroy a poor PR person from the NHL because they didn't have the game notes out on time. And he was yelling and screaming and everything. And then I remember seeing, I'm like, ah, maybe a bad time, but I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go there. And I always regret it. Yeah, he might have slapped you. Potentially. He's like, are you from the NHL? I'm like, no, I'm just a fan. <laughs> Can I just have a note about Don, Donnie Taylor? Like, I grew up in the Hammer, Moj's favorite mm-hmm. town that's not in BC. You're talking about Hamilton, right? Yes, Hamilton. Oh, so, so I didn't grow up, like I came to Vancouver, I came to BC with not a lot of knowledge of the sportscasters and, and the, the people that came up in the industry here, but I knew Don Taylor. Right? I, grew, I grew up in Hamilton, and I knew who Don Taylor was. Uh, he did the video games. He did the NHL series. He did the Rock the Rink video games, and he was on Sportsnet. Like He he has that reach beyond Vancouver, which I think puts oh, yeah. him on to another level, and, and he is what he is. Everyone in Vancouver knows who Don Taylor also is. Also going into the BC Sports Hall of Fame in 2024, uh, Justin Morneau. So what a class. Donnie, Justin Morneau, Ryan Cochran, Cassie Sharp, and Glenn Ringdahl are the other ones. So congratulations to all, but especially Donnie, given the fact that we've worked together, which was a career highlight for the both of us. I'll say that. Uh, What we learned... Sorry, do you have one at the ready there, Jason? Yes, I do. It's about you. Table saw, James. What we learned. Halford, the only ones good at sports betting are the bookies. Stay tuned for our locks of the week. Yeah, that's why we don't take them seriously. Come on, guys. I know he's being funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good joke. I appreciate it. But I will never, ever try and pretend to be like a sharp Mm -hmm. or uh, a guru. Like the talking heads on the TVs that are giving you the, the insider edge. It's like those are just numbers well, that are the out clip there. That so, we, so the clip like, that we play is a satire of those kind of people, right? So I just read Billy, I just read Billy Walters' book. So uh, Billy Walters uh, is that Billy Walters? famous sports better. Um, basketball, Ben, have you heard of Billy Walters? He's, a, no. he's big in the golf scene. So he was the guy that was mixed up with Mickelson. Okay. No. Right. And do you remember there was like the insider trading case that Mickelson yeah. was involved oh, this in? Dude. Billy Walters yeah. ultimately went to jail for insider trading and he blamed Phil Mickelson for not taking the stand in his trial. Um, and hmm. and he said that if Mickelson would have took, taken the stand and told the truth that he wouldn't have gone to jail. Got it. At any rate, when I read this Billy Walters book, I was like, this is an entertaining read and I don't believe half of the what is being written in it because it felt like a sales pitch for Billy Walters. And one of the things that Billy Walters, he was constantly like the feds were always trying to get him, sure. right? And they were saying that he was running a bookmaking operation. But his retort was always like, no, I'm purely betting on sports. I'm not taking bets. I'm betting on sports and I'm so good at it and I do so much research 
that that's why I'm winning all this money because people were like, how is all this money being made by this guy? Right. Um, now my thinking when I'm reading this story is like, I bet he's doing a bit of bookmaking, right? (laughs) Just because he's been so successful. Right. But his point is in the book, he's like, no, I'm, I'm so good at sports betting that I'm making all this money. And the reason I'm skeptical is I'm like, it's so hard to beat the book. Yep, it really is. And uh, nobody knows it better than us. But hey, Locks of the Week tomorrow. It's Friday. Don't forget. It's also Ask Us Anything Friday tomorrow on the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So there's a lot to get into. Join us tomorrow, won't you? For now, we got to say goodbye, though. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Basketball Ben. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.